0: This episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is brought to you by Maestro Classics, the creators of Stories in Music, a fun recorded series made for children and families to discover the thrill of classical music together. Featuring the London Philharmonic Orchestra, Maestro Classics brings over a dozen exciting stories to life with the help of a narrator and colorfully illustrated booklets. The Maestro Classics Stories in Music has won over 50 national awards, and garnered praise from parents, grandparents, teachers, and children alike. All Maestro Classics CDs are available at the Met Opera Shop at Lincoln Center and online at metoperashop.org. To learn more,
1: visit maestroclassics.com. This New Year's Eve, the Met presented a glorious new production of Francesco Cellea's Adriana Le Couvre. Starring in this tragic story is the unparalleled trio of soprano superstar Anna Netrebko, tenor heartthrob Piotr Bachawa, and electrifying mezzo Anita Rachvelishvili. Today on the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast, this rarely performed Verismo masterpiece.
0: The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org.
1: Adriana Le Cuvreur tells the tale of the real French actress Adrienne Le Cuvreur who lived during the 18th century. It's about her rivalry with the Princess de Bouillon, her love for the duplicitous Count of Saxony, and her untimely death by poison flowers. I'm Stuart Holt, and on this episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast, we have a lecture by composer and conductor Victoria Bond, exploring the history and music of this true story brought to life by the lush writing of Francesco Cilea. Thank
2: you. How many of you had heard of Francesco Cilea? Yeah, well, of course, this is a dedicated opera audience, so you would have, but Chilea's name has not been a household word in the same way as Puccini or Mascagne or Len Cavallo. And yet Chilea lived at the same time, was a composer of Verismo operas in the same vein as Puccini. And if you are not familiar with this opera, you will think you are hearing another opera of Puccini, because the music is very much in that very lyrical, dramatic vein. However, Chilea has a number of innovations that he um, uh, put into this opera, primarily because it is about an opera. Uh, it is an opera about an actress, and an actress speaks rather than sings. And the actress in in uh, question is Adrienne Lecouvreur, who was one of the principal stars of the Comedie Francaise. Now, um, I want to play you an audio clip first. Um, This is a historic clip, but it will illustrate to you more vividly than I could ever say how a great singing actress speaks the lines as well as sings them. This particular singer, um, Magda Olivero, some of you may have heard of her, of course, dedicated opera audience. She was a great favorite of Chileas, and he actually coached her in the role of Adriana, but unfortunately, he died before he could ever hear her do it on stage. However, there is a historic recording on YouTube, of course. And I thought I would play this for you before we actually get into the story. Let me set up the scene. Um, this, is ha- this takes place in Act 3. Um, Adriana has a rival, the Princess of Bouillon. And Adriana has been asked to speak at a party. And she sees the princess there at the party flirting with Maurizio, who is the the person that they are both in love with. And she uses um, Racine's character, Phaedra, the monologue from Phaedra, to accuse this woman of being an adulteress. And without further ado, let's listen to Magda Olivero uh, singing this uh, Act III aria.
3: Giusto cielo che feci in tal giorno Già s'accinge il mio sposo col figlio al ritorno Testimon, testimon d'un'adultera fiamma E il vedrà in cospetto del padre Tremare, tremare mia viltà De gonfiarsi il mio petto Dei vani sospir
4: E tra lagrime e
3: Il mio ciglio il tanguir. Credi tu che curante di tese ho la fama Di svelargli il l'orrendo mio drama Che mentire mi lascia al parente e al re Per freni l'immenso ribrezzo per
4: me E gli in vanta c'erebbe
3: So il turpe mi inganno poi non Ne compormi potrei Come fanno le audacissime
2: First of all, of course, the performance itself is amazing. But then Chilea's writing, this is technically called melodrama. Melodrama in the colloquial sense to say something, you know, about chewing up the scenery or or, uh, words to that effect. But melodrama literally means speaking over music. And you see the way Chilea has emphasized the words without getting in the way. And there are not that many great singing actresses, and of course you're going to hear one tonight, this is the dream cast. Anna de Trepko is going to be, I'm sure, spectacular in tonight's performance. But it has to be a singer who can also act and who also can use her speaking voice um, to, to such a great effect. Well, now to the story. The story is a little bit confusing, so I'll try and walk you through. <laughs> I'll try and walk you through the most salient things. There are a couple of subplots. And I don't know if I'll get involved with that, but let's talk about the main plot. The very opening scene is backstage at the Comédie Française. They are about to do a performance of Racine's Bézager, which I understand is probably one of his lesser known tragedies, but it takes place during the Ottoman Empire. And so everybody is dressed in Turkish costumes with plumes on their heads and, and pantaloons and all sorts of things, and it's kind of a typical backstage scene. It's like total chaos and confusion. Um, the actresses and actors want to know where their makeup is, where their wigs are, where their costumes are. They're all kind of coming down upon the poor stage manager Michonne, um, and Do this, do that, find this, find that, and uh, he's trying to accommodate everyone at once. And then the prince, the prince de Bouillon, Uh, walks into the scene, who has a fondness, shall we say, for actresses, and he's accompanied by an Abby, who also has a fondness for actresses, and they are flirting with with the actresses, and into the scene walks Adriana, and she is reading her script, and she is emoting And she says, it's interesting, because when she reads her script and she's um, saying the lines of Racine, she is speaking them. And then she sings and says, no, 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 that wasn't right. Um, And she speaks it again. And the prince and the abbey are absolutely, ah, they're so impressed with her. And they say, oh, madame, you are brilliant. And she says, no, 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 I am just the humble servant of the arts. And that is her first aria. Actually, let me give you the words to it because they are very beautiful. I am the humble handmaid of the creative genius. He gives me speech. I send it to the heart. I am the voice of poetry, the echo of human drama, the fragile instrument, the slave of the creator's hand. Gentle, joyous, terrifying, my name is Fidelity. My voice is a breath that dies with the dawn. see why I say it's uh, very much like Puccini, it's got those beautiful long flowing lines and uh, gorgeous harmonies, and I'm sure you want to know who this is, Daniela Desi is the soprano and this is a La Scala performance, and uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that um, this role has also been very attractive to actresses, and Sarah Bernhardt actually uh, is in a silent film of this from 1913. And Joan Crawford is in a film, a uh, 1928 MGM film. So those of you who want some historic context to the actual character itself. Um, so at any rate, Adriana is waiting backstage um, for her lover Maurizio. Now she thinks that Maurizio is just a soldier in the Count of Saxony's regiment, when in fact he himself is actually the Count Himself, But of course this is opera and people like to disguise themselves and, and, and appear a lot more humble than they really are. So she just thinks he's a poor soldier and he comes back backstage to see her. Um, by the way, the man sitting in the background of that video is the poor stage manager Michonne. And Michonne is in love with Adriana and he kind of pines for her throughout the opera. So this is now Maurizio coming backstage to um, to see Adriana. There were a lot of subplots (laughs) and this is one of them he needs to speak with the princess de bouillon about his promotion and the the jealousy uh, is between Adriana who thinks that he is in love with the princess de bouillon and the princess de bouillon uh finds out through all sorts of machinations uh, that he is actually in love with Adriana but that's still to come we are still in the very innocent phase of him coming backstage And telling her how wonderful he is, she is. And by the way, these are based on actual uh, historic people. Uh, The the Count de Saxe was an actual person, and he distinguished himself in military exploits. As he has an aria here in the uh, in the third act, where he sings of all of his uh, great exploits. And of course, he compares her to the flag waving so the third most important person this is really a triangle and the third most important person is the mezzo and uh so we will meet the mezzo uh, the princess de bouillon who as i say is in love with Maurizio but he no longer is in love with her was he in love with her before we don't really know we don't have the backstory on this but she is waiting very impatiently at her home for him to come. She has asked him to come and meet with her. He needs to meet with her because, as I say, she is the one responsible for his promotion. Um, but, of course, there's a price to pay, and she's extremely nervous, and you'll hear that nervous quality in the music. This is the beginning of Act Two. the great Olga Borodina. So very important prop. At uh, the end of the meeting between Maurizio and Adriano, when he meets her backstage, she gives him a little bouquet of violets. And uh, when Maurizio comes to visit the princess, she notices that he has these violets in his buttonhole. And she suspects Uh, And he says, oh, no, these are for you, and he gives them to her, but she knows something is afoot. So he has to tell her that he no longer loves her. Um, He's very grateful for all of the things that she has done on uh, his behalf, but he no longer loves her. And as you can hear, this opera is geared for three major singers, soprano, mezzo, and tenor. Uh, Enrico Caruso made his debut at the Lyric Theater in uh, Milan. That's not La Scala Milan, but the Lyric Theater. And I believe he also sang it at the Metropolitan Opera here. And Placido Domingo, I think, made his Met debut with the role of Maurizio. So the tenor role is, is just about almost equally important, as important as the soprano role. So here is Maurizio coming to uh, tell the, uh, the Countess, de, the Princess de Bouillon that he no longer loves her. I don't think you'll get the promotion. (laughs) Well, at any rate, the princess uh, is having this tryst with Maurizio, but she is married to the prince uh, de Bouillon, who of course we met in Act 1 because he was going backstage flirting with all the actresses. So this is a typical dysfunctional relationship. Um, And the princess hears the prince coming, and she knows she's in big trouble. So uh, Maurizio hides her, and here's where things get a little bit complicated, so let me see if I can explain what's going on. So the prince, as I mentioned, has dalliances with actresses, and at this point he is having one with, uh, with Adriana's rival, whose name is Duclos. The princess hides, the prince comes back home, and he has heard a woman's voice, but he hasn't seen her, and so he thinks that Maurizio is meeting with his girlfriend, Duclos, and he says, oh, I'm tired of her already. You can have her. It's okay. I, I understand. But thank goodness he does not realize that it was actually the princess because that would have been even more trouble. So now Maurizio is faced with, uh, with the problem of what to do with the princess who is hiding in the back. Well, Adriana comes be- to the uh, to the house because she had a meeting with Maurizio, and Maurizio says to her, you have to help me out. You have to... There's a, There's a woman in the closet, basically, and uh, you have to help her escape. I can't tell you who she is, but just trust me. You have to help her escape. And Adriana, unlike many actresses, is a very trusting person. And um, she says... Um, why do I have to do this? Don't don't ask me. I will explain. I'm not in love with her. Just help her to, uh, to escape. So then he leaves, and uh, the, uh, Adriana says to the princess, I am here to help you escape. It's very dark. Uh, they cannot see each other, plus Adriana puts a veil over her head. So they only hear each other. They don't see each other. And the princess says, well, why are you helping me? And she said, don't ask.
5: I'm, I'm helping
2: you. <laughs> and um, there's a little bit of a, a, a drama going on between the two of them because they realize instinctively, of course, um, Adriana already knows that uh, she's been there with Maurizio, so she's thinking, eh, he says she he doesn't love her, but I'm not so sure. And um, the princess is thinking about Adriana and says, well... I think this woman has a relationship with Maurizio. So there's all of this tension going on between the two of them, which will erupt in the third act. One other thing I have to tell you uh, that makes the story even more complicated than it already is, is that when uh, the the promotion, when uh, Maurizio, who Adriana thinks is just the soldier, when he says, "Well, it's the Count of Saxony who really is going to give me the promotion," and Adriana says, "Well, let me talk to him. I'm sure I can convince him. She's very beautiful, and she'll use all of her feminine wiles to convince him." And so, when Adriana comes to the ca- to the uh, uh, the castle uh, where the princess is being hidden, the prince says, oh, let me introduce you to the Count of Saxony and there is Maurizio standing there. So she says, her jaw drops, but she doesn't want to give away anything. So after they have left, she has a little back and forth teasing with Maurizio to say, well, I mean, I, you're, my, you're my prince anyway. I, I knew you were something special, but it was kind of fun for you to tease me like this. So they have this little teasing
5: scene.
2: think we're going to have time for the next excerpt. I, I had originally cut it because I didn't think we'd have enough time, but this is the moment when the, uh, the princess and Adriana face off. Um, the, this is when they, they can't see each other, but there, there's all of this tension and suspicion and it's a, it's a really wonderful scene. And later on, because Adriana has, uh, they've not seen each other, when the, um, when the princess is at the, a party in the next act, she recognizes um, Adriana v- by her voice, not by the way she looks. So, this is an important scene, I think. Let's see a, a little bit of this. <laughs>
4: Ce l'ho dì sovente, gucchessa, <susurra> siete voi, ma perché fecerarvi, l'antimo fugge, cresce il regno, consiglio per me che
5: forse mi, mi configa tutta la ad-
2: So this is a very dramatic scene for these two ladies who, uh, next time they meet, is at a party that the Prince uh, de Bouillon is giving for the entire cast of the, uh, of the play. Um, and it is in special honor, of, uh, honor to Adriana. So um, at the party, the princess recognizes Adriana's voice and says, aha, I know who his lover is. And the prince innocently asks um, Adriana, since she is the guest of honor, would she please do a reading um, from one of her famous monologues? So she gives the reading from Phaedra, and you heard Magda Oliveira um, uh, sing and say it before. Now you'll hear it in the context of the party scene. And uh, when, uh, when it comes to the line in Phaedra, about the, uh, the woman caught in adultery and uh, thinking nothing of it, she points at the, at the princess who just is very mockingly applauds, oh, bravo, bravo, and, and the, the tension between them is just absolutely explosive. And after that, Adriana just storms out. So here is the very dramatic act three um, scene with the monologue from Phaedra.
3: Cielo, che feci in tal giorno già s'accinge il mio sposo col figlio al ritorno testimoni, testimoni d'un'adultera fiamma ei vedrà al cospetto del padre tremar, tremar mia viltà E gonfiarsi il mio petto Dei vari sospiri E fra lacrime Irrise Il mio ciglio langui. Credi tu che curante Di tesio la fama Di svelargli non osi L'orrendo mio drama Che mentire Mi lasci al parente dal re E rappreghi Di mezzo di prezzo Per me tacerebbe So il turpe mio inganno o oh e non Ne compormi potrei Come fanno le audacissime impure Cui gioia è tradir Cui gioia è tradir Una fronte di geni in <laughs> love.
2: has been thrown and uh, the act four starts with Adriana very depressed in her home. Uh, she has been watching Maurizio flirting as she sees it with the uh, princess and feels that she has lost him forever, that he has betrayed her, that her life is over and she is distraught. Um, It happens to be her birthday that day, and so the cast comes over to wish her a happy birthday. And they all bring presents, and they're all very cheerful, and she's very gracious, but her heart is not in it. And one of the presents that is not brought by the cast, but is brought uh, as a delivery, is a little box, and uh, she asks Michonne, the um, stage manager, uh, could You please get rid of everyone. I just want to see what's in this because the box comes from Maurizio. And she opens it up and there are the violets that she gave him. And she is absolutely crushed. How could he be so cruel as to return these precious violets to her after having basically dumped her? So um, she, uh, she takes them, she looks at them, she kisses them, and then she throws them in the fire. Um, but the problem is that these are poisoned violets. <laughs> and um, there is some sort of chemical that they have been uh, infused with, and she has breathed this chemical in, and it causes her death. Um, but the last, the last aria that we'll uh, look at tonight is um, her aria to the flowers. Poor little flowers, you who live but just a short while and then you die, thinking of herself and her own acting career and her love, which is now, as she thinks, finished. It's not, but her life is. <laughs> so, poveri fiori. of wonderful opportunities for a great singing actress what happens after this is that uh, Maurizio comes and tells her that he is not in love with the princess that he's in love with her and he wants to marry her and give her a royal title and a royal position and she says no no I can't wear the royal ensign the only crown I wear is made of plated straw and uh, my my kingdom is basically just the stage so she, she rejects him, but in true operatic fashion, the uh, violets have their effect, and she dies in his arms. It's all very poetic. But as you can hear, the music is genuinely beautiful, and it also gives a great opportunity for um, not only the three principals, but there are some subsidiary roles as well. Michonne and the uh, count um, and the abbé. Those are all really meaty roles as well. And you are, as I said, going to hear a dream cast tonight. I'm going to tonight's performance also. So I think we're all incredibly lucky to have a cast like this. Um, does anyone have any questions? How often is this up presented? It's done much more often in Europe than it's done in the United States. It was done at the Met, and there are um, uh, audio, not videos, uh, of that on Met On Demand. And um, as I say, I, I believe Placido Domingo made his debut at the Metropolitan Opera singing the role of Maurizio. Years ago. Yeah, years ago. It has not been done for a while. It has not been done. And, you know, as we can hear, it's, it's musically satisfying, dramatically, very, uh, very powerful. So uh, hopefully it will become a regular item. Of course, it depends on three great singers. So that's not always an easy package. Well, I see by the hand on the clock that uh, I have to give you time to get to the performance. Thank you so much.
1: That was composer, conductor, and lecturer Victoria Bond giving us an in-depth look at this rare operatic gem, Adriana Couvreux. Victoria is always an audience favorite here at the Metropolitan Opera Guild, and you can find out more about her work at victoriabond.com, including information about the world premiere of her opera Clara, based on the life of Clara Schumann, coming up this April in Baden-Baden. If you live in the New York City area and enjoyed this lecture, be sure to catch more of our lectures this season here at Lincoln Center. Go to metguild.org lectures for more information. I'm Stuart Holt, and thank you so much for listening.